This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. Today, SI's Brian Strauss joins me to talk about Mohamed Salah moving into the zone, our suggestions to improve domestic cup competitions, MLS's impressive so far run in CCL, the new U.S. men's roster, Clint Dempsey's red card-inducing groin punch, and why anyone would want to punch someone in the groin in the first place. Onward! All right, let's bring in Brian Strauss for our weekly talk on the soccer world for the Planet Football Podcast. How are you, my man? I'm okay. I realize... You know, I feel sometimes like, oh, I just spoke to Grant, you know, or like, or should I call Grant today? And no, we just talked. And then I realized that when I'm thinking we just talked, it was for this. Yeah. But we, we're pretty good at actually having a little conversation off the record before we hit the record button. So which, good, which as we've said many times, would make probably make for a better podcast than the <laughs> one on the record, but would also probably result in me losing my job. But um, but yeah, like I, 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 I mean, like I feel like a lot of our conversations now are, are are this podcast. I'm worried this is like, you know, getting in the way of our relationship. <laughs> you know what I actually experienced? Uh, we had a situation here for the Planet Football video show uh, several weeks ago where Patrick Vieira and Roberta Martinez were here together uh, for recording for interviews, separate interviews. And I realized that the conversation that they had for 10 to 15 minutes before they came on to be interviewed by me was far more interesting than anything involving me. <laughs> are there are there ambient microphones somewhere? <laughs> like in the, hey, wait, you're on the record when you walk in this building, guys. It's not, you know, sorry. <laughs> At least that's a good idea. I'd love to actually have a show sometime where Hot Mike. you confuse someone into thinking that the the interview is this when actually it's that. It'll be the last interview you ever do, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blaze of glory <laughs> so lots to talk about this week we're going to talk about things on multiple continents um but first i want to start out with a, a very basic question Mohamed salah four more goals this weekend for liverpool um i think he's in a zone right now that few players ever get in in their career and this has been a season-long thing for him at liverpool uh it is a situation where he is one of the top candidates now for World Player of the Year. And I'm wondering, based on not having seen this from Mohamed Salah in seasons prior to this one, how did this happen? I, I You're right. He, the, guy, the guy is in, in a, a zone, the likes of which uh, few players in any sport ever attain. But at the same time, it is something that is known. It is something that is talked about. It is something that is pondered, right? When everything goes in, and that can happen in any sport, right? I mean, I, there are there are you know soccer and hockey and basketball players where you know for whatever reason during a given stretch, everything they touch goes in, and and it's glorious. And he's in it right now, um, and it's got Liverpool in in obviously in position to to you know qualify for the Champions League and and win the Champions League and and it's 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 awesome to watch and I 
he's got an amazing story. Um, you know, his connection to, to Bob Bradley is very cool. Um, but this is kind of something we were talking again before, before we started recording. I mean, there are other players who sort of emerged, popped up, um, you know, as guys who, who, you know, all of a sudden couldn't stop scoring goals and, and sort of cemented themselves in a different category. Right. And we, we brought up guys like Griezmann and Kane and Vardy. And there are, there are names of players who, who sort of come from nowhere, so to speak, and it clicks for them. Um, and it's, it's awesome. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's, it's, there's nothing bad to say about it. I, I think a lot of this has to do with Mohamed Salah. I think a lot of this has to do with Jurgen Klopp having a system that fits Salah's game extremely well. And Klopp is a guy who, I, if I was a player, I think I'd love to play for that guy. Oh, yeah. You know, just, yeah. you know, the, the high energy stuff, um, if you work your ass off and and play well, you will continue to get opportunities. It doesn't matter who you are. That front three gets a lot of chances, all of them, it seems like, just about every game. Except that one game against Manchester United. That was the outlier. Yeah. 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 But, but you're right. Otherwise, that that you know, they, they get those they get those high turnovers, they press, they're frenetic, um, the ball, and and if you're a striker, uh, you want nothing more than sort of the ball to, for there to be mayhem in the attacking third for the ball to be bouncing around the penalty area. And then if you've got the skill that Salah does to turn those half chances into full chances, you're going to get your goals. And yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought up Klopp because I love, I love the video that, ha- you know, the, there's always at the end of a, a game in England, the, you know, there's the camera guys that sort of run onto the field and catch reactions and, you know, uh, tape the players talking with their hands over their mouths and stuff. And like, Klopp is running around giving people just these ridiculous hugs and he's so fired up and he's so enthusiastic and, and I can't think of anything better when you're playing than to get that sort of affirmation from your coach. I mean, I, I can I can think back to being a teenager and remembering things that coaches said to me that were positive or negative and the impact that that has and how that stays with you for for days and decades later. And and yeah, I mean, I I, I can't I I can't imagine not being thrilled playing for a coach who gives you that kind of sort of emotional feedback and commitment. It's awesome. Yeah. I get fired up while sitting on my couch watching him. Yeah, and and when Liverpool wins Champions League and Egypt wins the World Cup, I think that might clinch World Player of the Year for Mohamed Salah. No, Ronaldo will still win. <laughs> Sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> but right now, it's just fun to watch that team. And I know Liverpool's defending can be terrible sometimes, but uh, the chemistry that that front three has, uh, they play for each other. Um, you're going to see something cool just about every game that Man United game accepted. And uh, yeah, I'm really fired up to see Liverpool and Salah play against Man City in the Champions League. I mean, I think that's a a way to shift into our next area of of discussion here, which is, it includes the FA Cup, but cup competitions in general. This was mainly an FA Cup weekend in England. Uh, And my feeling that I'm kind of bummed out that I don't think there's that much to talk about in Europe right now that excites me. Mohamed Salah is one thing. Uh, you know, Champions League is another thing. I'm really excited uh, for uh, for the quarterfinals coming up. Uh, but I don't really care much about the FA Cup. And, you know, the domestic leagues, almost all of them in Europe are, are decided at this point. It's kind of hard to get up for that stuff. Help me out here. 
Uh, I agree. I'm excited for the Champions League. I'm excited. Uh, obviously, um, you've got the Liverpool City, uh, Juve Real Madrid, a rematch of the final. Um, Sevilla Bayern. I, I loved. I loved. It was very, very British media to sort of chastise Jose Mourinho for for losing to Sevilla, who, who's a, a little club the Brits have never heard of. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's going to be a good a good matchup. And and um, but right. Other, otherwise, um, you know. This is perhaps very American of us, but uh, it's just hard to be excited about leagues that have been over since Thanksgiving or Christmas. Um, and and it's it it makes me lament in a way the but I, I get the competitive system and I have no issue with it. Uh, you know, there are different ways to decide a champion, and this is the way they do it, and that's cool. Um, and no one can argue that the champion is deserving, which is which is good. Um, but it, it makes me lament sort of the downfall of the domestic cup. Um, the cup should be uh, the other thing that teams go for. The cup should the cup is the is the inclusive and unpredictable and romantic um, sort of alternative to uh, the 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 gulf between the haves and the have-nots in the domestic leagues, and they're gradually sort of falling away um, throughout Europe. And we're struggling here in the U.S. to make the U.S. Open Cup bigger. And I wish, I agree with you that there's not a ton to get excited about, but I wish cups were, were, were a bigger deal. I wish we could get more excited about them. And I think there are ways uh, that, that they could be, in, the teams could be incentivized to do more in those cups, that those cups could become more meaningful, more equitable, that they could be bigger. But then you get into issues of our teams and clubs willing to commit to this stuff um, and it's a shame. I, I, I wish the FA Cup was a much bigger deal than it was. I wish the U.S. Open Cup was a much bigger deal than it was. Um, and I think that there are steps that could be taken to make that happen. Um, and, such and as? I hope, such as? Uh, well, I mean, uh, in the U.S. Open Cup, um, they've increased the prize money. Right. Um, uh, they've they've uh, One of the nice things the U.S. Open Cup did, all right, here, here's an idea. Here's one. One of, one of my favorite things about the U.S. Open Cup especially absent promotion or relegation in this country, is that the winner uh, gets a bid to the CONCACAF Champions League. Right. I think that's the right thing. I like that. So there are uh, three countries in, in Europe, uh, Germany, Spain, and England, that get four teams to the Champions League. Right. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's just too many. Like, who, who celebrates finishing fourth besides Arsenal, right? So what if that fourth berth... You know, th there's a tradition to finishing the top three. There's a sporting tradition. Gold, silver, bronze, right? That means something. Fourth place, you shouldn't get anything for finishing fourth. <laughs> what if that fourth Champions League berth was, was given to the winner of the domestic cup competition? Right. That would make the cup far more, uh, you know, there'd, there'd be a lot more incentive. There'd be a lot more intrigue. It would be more lucrative. Um, teams would care more about it. Um, and it would open up. And again, the gulf between the, the, the super clubs and the rest of the continent, the rest of the soccer world, is getting so large, and it's cemented, it's further cemented every year by the Champions League money. Um, what if we opened that competition up potentially to some different teams, and they were to get in via the cup? And maybe even the countries that have three teams that go to the Champions League, France and Portugal, I, I can't think of them, but but maybe, maybe they send a cup winner as well. I, I think that's one idea, that's one thing that would make the cups... Uh, far more intriguing and far more interesting. Get rid of the stupid league cups and all that nonsense too. 
um, open up the schedule a little bit, stop taxing these teams so much. So that's one idea. So I like that. I mean, but you would have been okay the year that Wigan won the FA Cup and got relegated from the Premier League that they would have been in Champions League the following year? Yeah, why would I be against that? Why do I care? <laughs> okay. <just> sure. <laughs> yeah, I'd be completely fine with that. I mean, okay, no, but to be honest, to be in seriousness, wasn't it interesting? Now, I realize Leicester wasn't relegated, but wasn't it interesting watching Leicester navigate the Champions League? They did a pretty decent job. They did, right? They got to the quarters, I yeah, think, yeah. and lost to that, well, God, that team from Spain again that no one's heard of. Oh, no, they beat them. Yeah, they beat Sevilla. They, they beat that team in Spain, that little club. Um, <laughs> you, really, was, you really enjoyed Sevilla being Man United, didn't you? <laughs> no, no. I, I, I like making fun and, and, and laughing about the arrogance of English press. I, that is my favorite thing. Um, I mean... Manchester Manchester United has the, the 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 heat that Mourinho is getting for essentially three defeats, right? I mean, they lost at Tottenham, they lost at Newcastle. Maybe they shouldn't lose that game, and they lost to Sevilla. They've lost like three games this year, um, and everybody's freaking out. And I just loved his reaction. Uh, we talked about this on a recent show. Uh, Mourinho is amazing. Um, but it would be it would be fun watching Wigan navigate the Champions League. It would be really really interesting, and and because we we see the same teams over and over and over again, and so it would make it, it would open the game up a little bit. It would it would add a new wrinkle, and I just feel like we're watching the same teams win the leagues every year. We're watching the same teams in the later rounds in the Champions League every year. Anything to add a little bit of unpredictability to it. A little UMBC, a little Nevada, you know, anything. Uh, I everyone's talking about the tournament. No, right I, I mean that's the thing. Is I was yeah. going to say this. This happens to have come after one of the the great NCAA basketball tournament weekends we've ever insane. seen. Completely insane, and everybody's which, talking about it. Yeah, which shows that knockout tournaments can be pretty darn cool. And it's not just about upsets. Obviously, the upsets are great, um, but you just get an overall sense that this thing really matters. There's a lot on the line. And I, yeah, I don't feel that right now with, with cup competitions just about anywhere. You know, a lot of the cup competitions around Europe are, are one of the nice things about the FA cup is that it's, it's really is inclusive. Um, a lot of the other ones around the continent and the bigger countries are really stacked for the big teams. I mean, I, I think, I think the top teams in Italy, maybe they enter the round of 16. I could be wrong, but I, I, I mean, that's, 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 you don't really have to do much. You know, um, they restrict the number of lower league teams that can enter. Um, Barcelona, I, I read something about this. Uh, Barcelona is trying to get the, the RFEF to, to – they, they have two-legged cup ties. Um, and so Barcelona, of all teams, is trying to get them to get rid of that which actually might make the tournament a bit more predictable. You're a lot less likely to beat a La Liga power over two legs than you are if you host them for 90 minutes, right? You've, there's a, right. you've got a better chance of advancing in, in over 90 minutes than you do over 180. So uh, things like that might help. Um, and again, I would like to see the cup become a bigger deal here. And, and there is the, there's the, I don't know, controversy is probably a strong word. There's been the discussion about whether or not I guess Miami FC and the New York Cosmos have, have sent letters, formal letters, formal complaints, formal requests to U.S. soccer to be admitted into the U.S. Open Cup, even though the NASL is not having a season. So there's kind of that intrigue. Um, I, yeah, I would, I would like to see these things become 
become more important for the teams. I mean, I, I don't know that the Cosmos and Miami should be in because they're now in the MPSL and the MPSL qualifies their teams based on 2017 standings. But the fact that they care enough to be in, the fact that it matters to them, is worth noting and is commendable. And uh, I wish cups were, were this big a deal for everybody. Yeah, I mean, Miami FC obviously went pretty deep in the tournament last yeah, year in the Open run. Cup. Um, I'm with you, though. I like the idea of domestic cup winner getting a Champions League spot, um, which brings us to Champions League and the fact that right now, at least, it's the midweek games that get are getting me excited, whether we're talking about UEFA Champions League, whether we're talking about CONCACAF Champions That's League. That's a really good point. That really sucks. And it makes for some late school nights, I got to say. But I really enjoyed it. Um, and CONCACAF Champions League in particular, MLS had one of its best nights in its history uh, last week with uh, the night that Toronto eliminated Tigres in a wild game. That was awesome. Yep. South Great of the game. border. Uh, and then the New York Red Bulls before that eliminated Tijuana. And so... You had two MLS teams eliminating Mexican teams in games that mattered. And yes, Seattle wet the bed the next night um, and you know just got throttled by Chivas. But now you have two MLS teams in the semifinals. You've got Toronto that's going to go up against Club America. You've got the New York Red Bulls are going to go up against Chivas. So you've got the two most storied clubs in Mexico going head-to-head against Toronto and New York to the, I won't say most storied clubs in MLS, but to the, 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 two, the two biggest clubs. The two biggest markets and the two countries that comprise the league. Yeah, and yeah. and I I am really excited for these matchups and was pretty fired up the night that uh, the Toronto and the Red Bulls advanced. What's happening? What's changing? How did they do it? Uh, I, I think one of, I think... I mean, Seattle was just right. I mean, Seattle essentially played their USL team in that in that <laughs> game. I mean, they 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 they're so riddled. With, I don't know how a team at this point of the season is so un, un what's undermanned. I guess, but yeah. anyway, um, yeah, it, it's two games and and things happen. And and MLS has been here, although although Toronto beating Tigris is historic, and obviously the Red Bulls getting past. Uh, Tijuana is a big deal. Anytime an MLS team gets past a Mexican team in a two-leg series, it's a big deal. It's happened only three, four, five times now. Um, it's happened many times that there have been two MLS teams in the semifinals. This is not new. Right. Um, and, if, and if they both get run out of town at this stage and it's an all-Mexican final, then we're kind of right back to where we were, even though, obviously, uh, the ride was a little bit different. The end point will be the same. But... The issue for many, many years has been, um, you know, the middle of an MLS roster and the depth of an MLS roster. And we've all talked about and written about and heard about many times that this is something the league has addressed uh, with spending in the middle, you know, middle portions of the roster. And it shows, you know, when when, when you've got, uh, you know, when you when you've got players at, at, you know, five, six, seven and eight, you know, you know, making, you know, six hundred thousand dollars instead of sixty thousand dollars. You're going to have a better shot against a team from League MX. So, um, you know, and, and we've talked about Toronto being a historically good team. Um, the Red Bulls are obviously a team that, ha- that has a, a system and a style and, and chemistry and understanding and, and, and some really promising youth. Um, and they, uh, they've started the season on a roll. So, uh, you know, despite losing to RSL over the weekend. So, 
Um, yeah, I think you've just got two teams that are well built, um, that have consistency and continuity. Um, and again, over two legs, just about anything can happen. So um, I still think we got to see one of these teams make the final. Um, and, I, and I think maybe win it. But if not, then at least play well to sort of consider this whole run uh, a step uh, in the right direction. You know, if they both get routed in the semis, then we're going to be back to the same old conversation. I agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I do think last week that was a historic night in some ways. But at this point, I, I really do think an MLS team needs to win it this year for it to be truly historic. And if you don't get a team to a, to a, to the final when you have two in the semis, that's going to be an issue as well. Um, that Jovinko free kick though was, and I know Guzman didn't, you know, could have done better potentially. You did get a hand on it, but we've seen that so many times now from Jovinko. He is so freaking good. Um, if I was going to make a list of the top ten free kick takers in the world right now, I think Jovinko would have to be on it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Who would the other ones be? Besides oh, Messi, Messi I don't know. Chavanolu and, yeah, and I don't know. Could we resurrect Janino? Is that guy still playing <laughs> somewhere? I don't know. I'll, I'm just going to, I don't know. I'll just go watch the Roberto Carlos free kick from 20 years ago. On loop. I'm, um, not a, I'm not a free kick nerd. I, I, you know, I've complained to you many times. It drives me <laughs> insane when a free kick wins a goal of the year. Like it, it drives me insane. Um, so I, I, I appreciate them. I liked taking them um i understand they're massive and i understand they're important but i don't i don't bow to the altar of free kicks uh like many people do so even the classic roberto carlos free kick in what was like 97 97 yeah the tournoi de france right and he hits it like a freaking screwball from distance and it defies the laws of of physics and (laughs) somehow goes in there's a point in it where where it's like 10 feet outside the post to the right of the yeah yeah no it's remarkable yes that that is a singular achievement um, that is worth celebrating many many years later. But look, it's like my gripe about all white uniforms, right? Like, <laughs> fifteen teams were all white uniforms, and every time a team comes out with one, people act like they've never seen an all white uniform before. It's kind of like free kicks, like 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 for some reason, when 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 a when a really good free kick is scored, people act like they've never seen that before. And and I just think again, I, I, I mean, I know everyone, well, everybody probably thinks I'm insane already but uh, you know when you have when you're not under direct p- part of what makes goals amazing and spectacular and wondrous is 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 the duress is is the that you have no time to 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 think about what you're doing you have to conjure a play you've got to conjure chemistry you've got to work with your teammates you've got to do all this in split seconds you've got to do this again under the duress of defense under the duress of tackles, under the duress of potential injury, and you're doing all of these things at incredible speeds, you know, none of those, none of those conditions really exist uh, on a free kick where you've got all the time in the world to kind of, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like hitting a putt, right? So I just actually, I, I want to point out a couple of things here. I want to confirm that your 1997 goal of the year was not Roberto Carlos' I free kick. I said I was the first one to bring up the Roberto Carlos free kick. Okay. I, worship that free kick i'm saying that okay. we i'm saying that that is we worship every free kick i think way too much i mean we all loved the messy free kick and in, in, in houston in the Copa america i think most of messi's goals are more impressive than that because he's doing them at speed here's because a, he's, do, he's doing them under duress here's my follow-up question you keep talking about duress 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 and then you mentioned golf putts 
Should we have somebody running at the golfer when he's about to hit his putt? Is that going to yes. make it more impressive to you? I think it's incredible that if somebody yells at a golfer while they're swinging, they get thrown out. <laughs> I don't understand that at all. Okay, I've brought this up before, and, and, and most people have probably turned us off by now because they hate me. For, 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 and again, free kicks, like, like Alexi says, right? Set pieces, set pieces. Like, it's a goal. It counts. It's huge. But I'm just saying that I feel like we put them on an altar that's straight, <laughs> that's just strange for me. And, and I'll bring this up. You remember the movie Glory, the great movie with, with Denzel Washington, yes. and Matthew Brock, the Civil War movie? Do you remember the scene where they're taking target practice and the soldiers are shooting at the target, right? And they're doing well. And then Broderick takes, um, oh man, uh, uh, Dread Pirate Roberts's revolver, right? And yeah. he walks over behind the guy and he says, all right, do it again. And he starts firing the revolver off in his ear. And he, and he, he can't even load the gun at that point, right? Because he hears, he hears the fire going off in his ear and he's flailing and, and essentially just kind of pooping himself and he can't load the gun. That's duress. And accomplishing something under that sort of pressure at full speed to me is on average, all things being equal, more impressive than a free kick. And I apologize to everyone out there who thinks I'm a lunatic. Well, you've changed my mind. That Javinka free kick was terrible last week. That's not what I said. <laughs> it was a great free kick, but it, it, is, it, is, it, is, not, it is not a goal that, that it is an important goal. It is a vital goal, but scoring from open play scoring from from cohesion and chemistry and teamwork and making split second decisions hitting a moving ball shoot hitting a moving ball on target is harder than hitting a stationary ball on target it, it's just it's just a different thing for me I, I don't I don't have the same reverence for it that other people do but there's a lot of things I don't have the same reverence for that lots of other people do um, and that's why you know I'm alone all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this also brings up one thing that I've noticed uh, the more I watch Mexican soccer. Uh, I see this in other places, too. You know how big the whole space inside the net but in the goal actually is in some of these Mexican stadiums, in, in the, like the goal itself? Like that like goal. Like the net's pulled back? It's like, it's like you know, the size of a city apartment in <laughs> inside the goal itself. Like it actually, the the time it takes when a, when a goal is scored for that ball to cross the goal line and then hit the back of the net is like exponentially longer in Mexico. And then they fight over it. Yeah, that too. But I mean, then I, you see a game at like Abar in Spain and their goal, like the net is like two feet behind the goal line. This is an awesome thing that you've noticed. I mean, I guess I've seen, I've noticed when, when the goals are kind of pulled back into the box, you know, with the poles behind them. And, and I think that's just because like when you're growing up playing, you know, soccer, you don't get to play with goals like that. So you kind of notice it. But otherwise, I've never really paid attention to that. And, and that's very cool that you notice that. It's like a, like a nerdy little thing now that I'm going to pay attention to. It's, like an, it's an aesthetics thing. And, and yeah. I think actually if they're going to make these, you know, in Mexico, the goal's so big inside, they might as well, like, have it go, like, 80 feet behind the goal line <laughs> and force the goalkeepers to run really far back. Yeah, the, time, the time waste, the potential for abu time-wasting <laughs> abuse there is way too high. Um, well, or you could do a Seattle, like, right, Seattle has, um, they make fire, like, they, they use that space 
to, yes. to, to have flamethrowers go off every time someone scores. So, um, yeah, there, there's lots of, I like, I like, a, you know, obviously I complain about kits all the time. So that's a, that's a good aesthetic nerdy thing to ponder. I found my, uh, yeah, I found my area there. Um, awesome. uh, there were MLS games this weekend. Um, NYCFC only team with nine points from three games. I know it's early. It's a very long MLS season, but this might be the best team in the league. Well, to win without to win without uh, David Villa is is notable. Um, you know, to have won in Kansas City at the beginning of the season is notable. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, like you said, long season and and NYCFC. The questions now about them are going to be, um, you know, they've had they they've not had good results in the playoffs, and right. uh, you know that's going to be the label that starts to get a fix to them unless they do something about it. We've seen this team have good regular seasons. We know they're talented. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, wake me in, uh, wake me in October, but yes, fun to watch. Um, and, uh, you know, some good new signings. Um, the, um, and again, this is my, uh, here's the, uh, here's the CTE, um, <laughs> Medina, Medina. Thank you. Um, <laughs> ah! <laughs> nothing like CTE jokes. Um, so, um, like the Paraguayan, the Paraguayan, damn it. Yes. Yes. Very, very good. Very fun player. Great vision. Um, you know, clearly a sort of guy who can, who, you know, we, we talk so much about NYCFC building out of the back, but then the gap between that and Via has been obvious. And, and here's a guy who's, who's connecting everything and, 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 um, really smart and savvy on the ball and, and a lot of fun to watch. So yeah, uh, great start, but again, you know, this is a team that needs to get it done in the, in the uh, at the sharp point of the season, as they would say. Yeah, I mean, the CCL clearly having an impact on Toronto and Seattle, which lost again over the weekend. I'm um, glad, by the way. Glad that they're prioritizing what they should be prioritizing. That's yeah. a good sign. No, of course. But they're both like the, the, the two finalists in the last two title games uh, are at the bottom of the league, which is uh, very early, obviously, and won't probably stay that way. Um, which is all, all a way of leading up to our discussion of Clint Dempsey's groin punch. The second time that he has done this, got a red card, um, deserved red gotta be right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was a, there looked like there was a bit of a wind up there. Yeah. Um, not much more to say on that, except it's kind of a bummer, uh, that that <laughs> happens. I've always sort of been fascinated by, uh, competition, and guys who have trouble with like sucker punches because this I've seen this in basketball, I've seen this in soccer. Uh, sometimes it's what, great players like the, Dempsey, the, the kid on the kid on Duke, right? Like once a month, yeah, uh, Grayson Allen, yeah, yeah. Just like you know, just, you know, these guys. I mean, Beckham was this way. You know, there's these guys <laughs> that just, you know, the red mist, right? It just, <laughs> it's it's real. It's a real thing. Um, so yeah, he'll. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, Dempsey's meltdown, Dempsey's open cut meltdown was one of the great, you know, was that two or three years ago now? I think he's still suspended. I think he actually... <laughs> from the open cup. Yeah, going back to open cup. I, I think he's still suspended from the open cup. Um, yeah, he just, that's part of, you know, I guess people, I mean, and Dempsey, and I've said this before, Dempsey can do no wrong in the eyes of the, you know, people, people love Dempsey and, and he can get away with stuff that very, very few other players can get away with. People love him no matter what. Um, but this is a part of who he is too. But as I recall, that one involved taking the referee's notebook and ripping it up. Yep. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Dude, that's art. 
That's like real performance art. You know, why, you know what? Here's why I hate all white kits because everybody does. I, 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 I just generally in life, when people get excited over something that's that's normal and bland and routine and that we see over and over and over again and people act like it's the greatest brand new thing, it just kind of drives me nuts. Dempsey is setting new standards and breaking boundaries in his, you know, uh, malfeasance. And, <laughs> and he he deserves credit for this. He's not just doing the same old. So, yeah, he's, he is an artist, and uh, I enjoy it, just like Mourinho. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. It may, it may be negative. It may be antisocial. It, it, may, it may hurt his team, but it's damn fun to watch. And it, so I commend Dempsey for his creativity. Have you ever been tempted to punch someone in the groin? I have never been tempted to punch anyone in the groin. Okay, so, I'm, so can I – quick story here. So <laughs> <laughs> I got one red card as a player. All of my years playing, many, many, many yellows, but a single red, and it was groin related. Really? Um, yeah. So I was, uh, I was a teenager. I was probably fifteen or sixteen. Um, never got a red card as an adult. Um, I was fifteen or sixteen. I think normal club game, normal NCSL game, and it was one of those deals where we were down by one, and you know, throwing everybody forward to get the tying goal. And the other team scores on the counter and, and goes up three to one or four to two or whatever. And the game's over, it's, you know, two minutes left. So I put the ball down in the center circle for the kickoff. I'm, you know, we're kicking off after they scored. And instead of just tapping it to my teammate or having him tap it to me, I take two or three steps back and hit the ball as hard as I can <laughs> into the groin of one of the opposing players standing on the edge of the foot. That's terrible. Yeah. So straight red. Uh, my father was not pleased with me. That was a quiet ride home. I recall. My, my biggest regret, my biggest regret actually is not seeing the red card. Like I, I turned away and I walked off. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't actually see the, I don't have that memory. I don't have that visual of the referee putting, showing me the red. Um, I turned away and I knew it was going to happen. Everybody freaked out and I just walked off the field. So I didn't get punched. And I never saw the red card. But yeah, so sometimes you just got to go for the groin. I don't know what else to tell you. I, I remember reading a, a story in the New Yorker once on Justin Bieber, and it had this description of a scene where like he's with his buddies and he, he like will punch them in the groin and it's supposed to be funny, like when he surprises him with that. And I was thinking like, if my friend did that to me, I don't think he'd be my friend much longer. But there are people, this is what I mean about Dempsey, like, I guess Justin Bieber can do whatever he wants, I guess. So I guess you reach a certain, you reach a certain plateau in your life where you can get away with anything. And, and I guess if you're Justin Bieber or Clint Dempsey, those are groin shots. So we can only, we can only aspire to that sort of, to that sort of status. We'll know we've made it. I think Justin Bieber needs VAR, and maybe he wouldn't get away with those punches. <laughs> I think he's had some VAR. I think he's had some court dates. <laughs> so another uh, thing that stuck out over the weekend, DeMarcus Beasley going on a Twitter rant oh, against yeah. the location of Houston's game against DC United. You want to fill us in on this one? I was not there, first of all. Um, it, it was a home game for DC United, but those familiar with the geography of the DC area will know that that Germantown, Maryland is a hike um, and a lot of other things going on. 
I've got to go to California tomorrow, so I just got stuff going on. But anyway, I did not make the game, but I've been to the Soccerplex many, many, many times. Um, it's a wonderful facility located about 45 minutes or so uh, northwest of the city. And it's got, you know, a, a, a big center building that has, you know, courts, you know, on which you can play court sports, um, offices, uh, a few small locker rooms, a little, a little snack bar. Um, and then there's a, a stadium field, you know, 5,000 seats, a beautiful pitch. And then, you know, between 10 and 500 fields surrounding it in, in, a, in a vast area of, of space. And DC United uh, is playing there because I guess the league uh, wanted them to play a couple home games before they open up uh, their new stadium in July. Um, I think the weekend of the World Cup final, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so DC United, you know, scrambling to find a place to play. So they played at the Soccerplex this weekend, uh, and they've played Open Cup games before um, there. And then they're going to play another home game at the Naval Academy in Annapolis, which I think is very cool. Um, so this was a one-time deal. This was a, hey, we're building a stadium. Uh, we need to, a place to play a couple games. We're all going to have to suck it up. This is a youth soccer facility and an NWSL facility. I think it's worth mentioning the Washington Spirit play there. Um, and, and they have college tournaments there, things like that. They've had the U.S. Youth Soccer National Championships there. Um, but this is not a, this is not a, a, a modern uh, multi-hundred million dollar MLS facility. And uh, we're just going to have to all suck it up today, guys, okay? And uh, DeMarcus did not want to suck it up. <laughs> and so after Houston blew a, a two-goal lead uh, to D.C. United, wound up tying the game 2-2, two to two, uh, DeMarcus tweeted, uh, just when I thought MLS was getting better in every aspect, today's, quote, conditions were unacceptable, double exclamation point, from the locker room to the, quote, training room, which was just an area blocked by curtains next to the vending machines, kids volleyball going on. It was a circus. <laughs> Hashtag unacceptable. <laughs> I, I, which, which is one of my favorite hashtags. Yeah, um, I mean, I got to yeah, use a, that one just more. Just a surprising... Uh, I mean, yeah, it's not a professional quality facility, but it's like, like, dude, you've been around the block a thousand times. Like, it, it's it's one day. It's it's not it's not like you have to. This is not your like new home. This is not you know. It's not like you have to live here now. It's 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 one game. Like it just. It, I was surprised to see that um, from a guy with his. Uh, his experience and and perspective. I suppose. I guess the only thing I would point out is that. In some ways, and I think back to Alex Morgan calling out the NWSL on Twitter for the hotel accommodations for teams on the road with bed bugs and all that sort of stuff, that maybe Beasley thought he was showing leadership by doing that? Maybe. I mean, we should have him on. Um, maybe. But I mean, what Alex, you know, I would assume that the the issues that many, and, and that was an interesting thing that people brought up is when when Beasley sent this tweet out, a lot of people responded saying like, hey, you know, the NWSL, they play here every weekend. You know, why, why you know, you should, you should think about the, the fact that, you know, women's professionals in this. And, and again, I mean, the soccerplex, the soccerplex is, you know, you're not, you're not playing in some like, you know, cinder block gulag, you know, <laughs> like. It's fine. I mean, it's it, it's not like crawling with vermin. It's just not state of the art, you know. Um, the thing about Morgan complaining about bed bugs and accommodations and you know all of the 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 what's the word the constraints under which 
some of the NWSL clubs operate is that that's a repeatable thing, right? I mean, that's something that they do all season, right. every season. Um, this was one day. And, and yeah, I mean, okay, Houston drew the short straw and had to come and play, uh, come and play at the soccerplex. But I'm sure lots of teams that have had to go to Houston and play in August probably think that that's inhumane as well. So um, <laughs> it was just – it's a one-time thing. Like it's just kind of weird that, that – I mean, Be- look, Beasley's an icon, right? I mean, he's an icon and, and, and he's, he's got everyone's respect. And and it just seemed kind of strange. Like this is the hill you're going to die on. Like this is the fight you're going to pick today. That like the there was a there was a volleyball turn. Is that why you blew the two goal lead? Because you were distracted by the volleyball. It just seemed like an odd an odd thing. And I and of course I regret not going. I mean I just couldn't fit it in. Um, but but uh, it's a cool place to watch a game only mm-hmm. because um, and this is one of the neat things about the old MLS Reserve League uh, RIP was that you know there aren't many times where you can sit you know. 10 yards from, from, from the field and 10 yards from the coaches and hear everything they're saying and have that kind of proximity and really get a sense of the, of the pace of the game sort of from that close. So, so there are good things about it too. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just strange. Um, I I can't wait to post this podcast online and and include the hashtag unacceptable. (laughs) That should actually be every week. Yeah. We should get that in a logo somehow. (laughs) Speaking of smaller than usual uh, stadium situations, the U.S. Men's National Team. Ooh, nice transition. Will be. I'm, I'm good at this. It's all I do. Yes. Well. Um, the U.S. Men's National Team will be playing Cary, North Carolina, of all places, uh, against Paraguay, a fe- fellow uh, team that will not be going to World Cup 2018. Uh, the roster was released for the U.S. over the weekend. Christian Pulisic not on it. Uh, I think probably reasonably. Uh, he's got a Bayern game coming up. Uh, Dortmund's in actually what is an interesting dogfight in Europe, one of the few, to qualify for Champions League next year. Uh, but you did have some players that were included, obviously, in this roster, including Tim Weah, uh, Anthony Robert, or Robinson, who I'm intrigued by, uh, a few other guys. Uh, you wrote an article about this for the Sports Illustrated website. Uh, what was your takeaway? Um, I'm I'm excited. I'm happy about it. Uh, I'll be going down to. Uh, I'm excited to be going to Cary um, for the game. Uh, I have not been there in probably five or six years, and I'm flying from California to Cary instead of because I'll be in California instead of just driving down from DC to Cary, and that's good because there's this really really brutal speed trap right south of Richmond. And I got nailed there last time, and I and I'm still kind of kind of pissed about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't want to wrestle with that. So I'm actually glad to be flying from you know red eye from from San Jose to to, to Raleigh for this game. Um, there, you know, look, they don't have a game that matters for over a year. Um, you know, w- what about this is worth watching? What about this is interesting? Why should I bother to turn on the TV and check this out? And 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 credit to Dave Sarakin for for giving us the answer. It, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see some of these guys play. Um, I don't know how many people have seen Shaq Moore play. I don't know how many people have seen Tim Weah play. Um, you know, other than the U seventeen World Cup, I haven't seen Tim Weah play. Um, you know, Andrea Novakovic, who plays in in in, uh, in um in the Netherlands, a kid from Chicago, right? So we haven't seen this kid play. Um, so that's intriguing and exciting, and 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 gives you a reason to watch. Um, and that's quite frankly all this team needs to be doing right now 
is is you know sort of testing the the the, the edges of the player pool, um, getting guys committed to the program in the post Jonathan Gonzalez era, um, and giving people a reason to care and, and and a reason to tune in. And I think they've done that. By the way, I'm on the Tyler Adams train at this point. Can't wait to see him play again for the U.S. He's gotten off to a terrific start for the Red Bulls. Uh, I think he's got a very high ceiling. A Tyler Adams Weston McKenney partnership Ooh. could be could be cool for a decade or so if if that can be worked out. Uh, Marky Delgado is coming on as well as a, a, a nice creative player. Um, uh, we'll get another look at Kenny Saif, who who was injured right before the Gold Cup, um, after making a one-time switch um, from Israel. Um, and again, you know, Tim Weah listed as a midfielder on the roster, but obviously uh, an attacking player. Also, Bobby Wood. Um, mm-hmm. There's a name we haven't mentioned in a while because he's having a really, really brutal season at 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 Hamburg, as is the entire team. It's it, right. it's not it's not just on him, but but Bobby's a guy who really. He's a confidence player. He is, he is a streak player. He's a guy that when he's feeling it um, is very dangerous and very effective. But then also we've seen um, he's a guy that when things start to unravel a little bit, when he's not, we talked about the zone. Bobby's out of the zone. And, 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 and maybe this is an opportunity uh, to, to get him a change of scenery, get him some good touches, get him in a different environment, and maybe see what happens there. I mean, you're, look, I mean, Bobby's one of Klinsman's real successes, right? So, so getting him in a good frame. Um, you know, we'll see uh, Zach Steffen and Bill Hamid again in goal, uh, you know, wondering about the future of that position, um, always a position of strength for the national team. They split time against Bosnia. They'll probably do so again um, against Paraguay. And then a really, really young um, central defense, you know, more of Cameron Carter-Vickers, more of Matt Miazga. Um, we're going to see Eric Palmer-Brown uh, get a look um, for the first time. He's playing in Belgium now after signing with Man City um, after... <laughs> failing to get minutes at Sporting Kansas City. Um, so, uh, so yeah, a, lo- a, lot of, a lot of interesting wrinkles there. It's actually, I'm, I'm disappointed um, that there's only one game. It would have been nice if they had found a second match um, during this window so we can see a bit more of these guys. Uh, but they'll be training in Raleigh uh, all week, um, getting ready for Paraguay, um, like I think, next Tuesday. So, yeah. Make sure, you go to, make sure you go to Bojangles while you're down there. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've been to Bojangles. I've been, I've been to a Bojangles in Charlotte, I think. Um, but, uh, I will look for it. I think there is a Waffle House. I'm not making this up. I think there's a Waffle House, like a block from my hotel. I don't so, like Waffle House nearly as much as Bojangles. Waffle House scares me actually a little bit, but, but Bojangles, the Bowberry Biscuits, great way to go. Awesome. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, do us a favor. Take a few seconds to like it and write a review. You'd be surprised how much it helps. And check out the 30-minute Planet Football video show hosted by me and Luis Miguel Echegaray on SITV. That's available on Amazon with a free seven-day trial. Recent guests include Iris Cisneros, Matt Pence, Andrew Das, and Danny Hewson. See you next time. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? the number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. 
you get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.